welcome to another special edition of the Sal and Bob Show. It's a unfortunately another quarantine edition. <laughs> but we've got a lot of funny stuff, a lot of interesting stuff coming your way today. We have uh, one of our favorite people, favorite comics on as a guest today, Mr. Jeff Dwoskin. How are you, Jeff? Woo! Doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> that was that was almost too much. I yeah, uh, it's somebody this, you know, without an audience, I don't do it for myself. But the um yeah, no, I'm good. It's great. Living this is my best life. <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to live our best life uh in the midst of a global pandemic, Sally. I see you. It's good to see you, my show partner. Good, good, to, good, good to see you too, Bob and uh Jeff. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, one, one thing I like about Jeff, like he was just talking right there to Bob in that little split second there. You are the closest to who you are on stage. You that's how you do your act too. You're kind of like, you know, that's how you yeah, do that's your a good act. point. Right? He he's he's always kind of talking like he's on stage. I like that. <laughs> like there's a joke that's just gonna roll out at any second. <laughs> Well, let's welcome our producer, Nate Armbruster. How are you, Nathan? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good. Good to be with you all. And, uh, and you know, I mean, we couldn't stay away from the show because we're so social. We know that, right, Sal? <laughs> Very social. We're all, and we have a social guy on the, on the show today. Jeff is a, uh, a very social guy extraordinarily social. In fact, Mr. Dwoskin taught me every single thing I know about Twitter, which has been a, uh, a big boost to my career and getting uh, followers and an audience. So thank you for that, Jeff. Yes. You're welcome. So one, one, in fact, let's take a moment here. Jeff, why don't you tell us, um, you know, aside from being a real funny guy on stage, uh, what else are you doing? Tell us about the social media stuff you do. Yeah, sure. Uh, I got obsessed with Twitter quite a while ago. Um, and I do this thing called hashtag roundup. It's uh, there's an app that I built, uh, got a digital background too, uh, and focused it on Twitter in terms of being able to really hone trends on Twitter and get people to kind of be funny around certain premises. So in terms of on stage, when you're like, uh, you know, you're talking or doing a bit around a certain premise that you hone and all that kind of stuff. On Twitter, I found people didn't know what to talk about. And, you know, once they got past what they ate for breakfast or something really interesting like that, the, uh, there wasn't much uh, focus for a lot of people. And so a lot of people stay away. So what we do is basically almost every hour is different prompts that let people um, kind of chime in and it kind of gives them the premise that then they can pivot a joke off of or something funny off of. Like this morning, we did Trump commencement speech, you know, to kind of really make fun of Trump <laughs> um, in, ter in terms of, uh, you know, Obama gave a great one yesterday to the class of 2020. So the, the premise being, well, well, what would Trump have said? And so, you know, just everybody kind of jumping in on that. And so uh, that generated like over 20,000 tweets. So that, you know, so we do that like every uh, hour or so. And then occasionally... Uh, we help brands as well kind of uh, get some footing and some engagement on Twitter as well. Well, I, I have a lot of fun with Twitter and uh, the Sal and Bob show does too. And you uh, got me going on this and you, you um, 
kind of showed me the ropes and also explained to me the Twitter voice, you know, the, uh, the idioms that are unique to Twitter. Like, uh, one, one, in fact, this was one of your tweets several years ago, which is so perfect that's, that, that uh, defines the difference between a, a platform like Facebook and Twitter. And you said the difference between Facebook and Twitter is that Twitter doesn't give a shit if it's your birthday. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, people on Facebook, they're happy birthday and happy anniversary. And let me show you my new flower pots and blibbity blah, blah. Twitter doesn't give a shit. Yep. Twitter wants you to be funny. Twitter wants you to put it in their face, self-deprecating. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's the anti-Facebook in a lot of ways. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I think um, the best part about Twitter, though, is that you don't know the people on Twitter. I mean, I, I, should, I get to know the people, but only in the context of our relationship on Twitter. Right. So on Facebook, yeah. on Facebook, I become very angry. Like last night, um, I won't get into the names because my wife would kill me. But, you know, somebody posted something, you know, it was their kids and they weren't social distancing. And it was just like maddening because it was such a hypocritical thing. And then you see all your friends liking it and saying all these things. And it really, it took everything. Like I, I wrote 12 different things that my wife threatened to divorce me if I, uh, posted any of them. One I did and then I deleted it just because I had to get it out. But it was like, it just, Facebook, I really literally want to reach across and tell these people to just, can I swear? <laughs> off. And, uh, and like, and I hate it. Like I actually unfriended someone I'd known and had over, I like, I've told someone to stop sucking Trump's that I've known for 20 years. And then I told them to get the off my time. You know, it's like, but on Twitter, uh, I have, uh, extremely, uh, Ex, uh, fun exchanges with uh, what one might be consider a uh, a Nazi or a racist, and only because, and I don't get <laughs> as mad because I don't know who they are, and it's more like almost like uh, in the context of a movie. It's just we're each playing a part, and uh, because I don't know them, I can stay within the context of you know my keep my emotions in check. You know, you're emotionally but, uh, distant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like uh, you know, like I, I my way of dealing with trolls on like Twitter and it's because I'm verified and I have a large account when one of my Trump tweets or something starts to get momentum, they come out of the woodwork. You know, I used to push back and kind of argue. Now I just kind of do, yeah, I do more like where I just run into their tweet. Like I just, I don't actually argue with them. I almost agree with them in a way where I'm making fun of them, but, and then they just keep doing it. Or I just say, okay, boomer. <laughs> which is okay, well, really, yeah. completely out of context, but really a great thing just to say to anyone if you want to piss them off, uh, especially now that we're through the, the full K-Boomer okay phase. Um, so I went back and forth with somebody who was attacking me about something, and all I kept doing was saying, okay, Boomer. And all he kept doing was explaining to me why he wasn't a Boomer. And I would just respond, okay, Boomer. <laughs> and, then, and then it just became a joke. I mean, like all my DMs are going, I'm going to see how long this will go. I mean, it was just like, and he just kept going. And it wasn't like a one word answer. I was like, oh, yeah, like sentences, you know, maxing out the 280 characters. And it was just like, just, he really wanted me to understand why it was impossible for him to be a Boomer because his dad was a Boomer. So he couldn't be a Boomer and he needed me to understand that. <laughs> and I couldn't give a shit. But if I knew that person on Facebook, I'd want to and kill somebody you know what i mean i was like so it's like you know what i mean it's like so, it's so what are you? you're so violent i hate now. i hate facebook if social media platforms was a house 
is Facebook like the living room bullshit family part? And then maybe Twitter's <laughs> like the downstairs <laughs> guy's lounge and is what where's Instagram fall in the house? Where Instagram, does Instagram would be the front yard or the backyard where everyone else can <laughs> see you. Right. <laughs> Facebook would be more like the, the dinner table where you have to jockey and make everyone think your life is, is great in front of them. <laughs> and Twitter could be either the addict <laughs> or a man <laughs> game. <laughs> All right. Good point. I mean, that's, that's how I would, you know. All right. Well, I got to start moving around a little bit more then. <laughs> Get to the basement or the attic. So. All right. So, uh, that's good. We didn't even cover. We didn't even cover TikTok. TikTok is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I even want to talk about TikTok. No offense. neighbor on his roof. TikTok is one of those things I look at and go, "I'm 58. If I even show up on that, people are going to be quitting that platform in droves." <laughs> you know what I mean? I had no yeah. business. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's good to have you here, Jeff. Yeah, we have Jeff, man. Good to see all, you. All the four of us have all worked together on different shows and different parts of the country and different clubs. And we've all, we've all opened for each other. We've all closed the show that another has opened for uh, uh, yeah. us. And, uh, so we've been, we've been around the block, as they say. And I, I wanted to, my idea for this show, and I hope you guys like it, is that want to give all of us an opportunity to talk about the best show they ever had. And it doesn't matter where it was. Could have been, you know, locally or out of state. And why it was the best show. Maybe somebody you worked with. Maybe it was just you know, some, some great thing that happened during the show. And then the worst show you've ever done. And we all know, I mean, we've, comics among everybody on the planet all have some unbelievable bad <laughs> stories to tell of the road. So we'll, 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 we'll do that today. How does that? Okay. Um, that sounds good. Okay. So I'm Sally, uh, my, uh, my esteemed show partner and friend, um, how about you hit us with your, uh, your best show? Okay. And before I do that, I would like to thank uh, Captain Joe's for being a sponsor today on the show. We, out in Whitmore, yeah. we just opened up his door for, curbside and carry out and uh just a, a great establishment and uh, i know they're going to be busy because people probably miss their food but thank you for sponsoring and also one night stands comedy club as they always do so yes and we are part of the perfecta podcast network and uh we're we're very happy to be a part of that so um yeah and we're so social check us out on uh, twitter at sal and bob show check us out uh, individually at Sally V O eight at Bob the Suit. Jeff, what's your Twitter handle? Big Macher, B-I-G-M-A-C-H-E-R. And our and our producer Nate, it's Nate Comedy. By the way, you're killing you're killing it on Instagram, dude. You're yeah, he does. Really, you're nailing it. Good for you. Yep. Thanks. So one of my best experiences when, when I opened up for Louis Anderson uh, up in Traverse City at the State Theater. And the reason it was such a great night is it was one of those, and I know all you guys have had this. It was just like the perfect drive up to Traverse City. It was nice weather. I got there like two hours before the show. I only had to do like 20 minutes in front of them and then just, you know, and then just bring them up out on stage. So I got there two hours early because I didn't want to have any traffic issues. So I kind of got there early. So I just found some Irish pub down the street from the State Theater and 
got myself like a nice black and tan. I remember just drinking a nice pint of uh, Guinness and whatever goes with it. I forgot, but just sat there and then went over to the theater like 15 minutes before the show, got to meet Louie. He kind of, he goes, Hey, go over your act. And I go, well, I thought we already, like, I thought I already did this. Like you saw my video and all that. He goes, yeah, well, just tell me your subjects again. <laughs> good Louie, by the way. I go, <laughs> that is a good Louie. I, I, go, I go, okay. So I go through my act. He goes, yeah, just leave out the mom stuff because that's what I talk about my whole time. I go, yeah, no problem, man. So <laughs> I take out the mom stuff, whatever. So I go out on this stage. I mean, I don't need to get into the show, but it was just 700 people packed. Great set. Everything's great. And, and before the show started, Louie goes, when you call me out, he goes, I want you to stand there. I don't want you to walk towards me or leave towards the stage. He goes, I want you to stay to the mic or at the mic all the way until I get there. And I go, okay. So I remembered that after a, a pretty good, darn pretty good set, I, uh, I, I call him out and I waited at the mic stand. And when he got to the mic stand, he goes, Ah, another round of applause for Sal Danell. Wasn't he great? And it was like <laughs> he made me stay there and take a bow and, you know. So he was really cool and just a, good, a great experience for me. So, Oh, that's great, man. That's great. It's, it's so cool when, uh, when you're not the headliner that night and the headliner is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was really cool. You know, he just made, made me feel like I was really part of the show. And, and uh and he actually, and then so after he did that, I kind of walked off the stage, and it's kind of a bigger stage, and I'm walking off, and then he, he just goes, I wish I was Italian. And he goes, I wish I, you know, he starts doing, I wish I was Italian or something. <laughs> like, start talking. He goes, ah, get back out here, Sal. Take another bow. And he has me come back out like halfway. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he just treated me like a star that night, and it was, uh, it was cool, man. It was, it was a good oh, that's great, man. Good story. Good story. Sounds to me like he was yeah, using. Yeah. You, sounds to me like he was using you to fill five minutes and get paid forty thousand dollars a day. Yeah, yeah. Just for that five minutes. Good point, Jeff. <laughs> How about you, Jeffrey? Give us, hit uh, us with your best story so far. Um, where I felt like the best. So uh, I mean, there were so many to choose from. <laughs> I mean, sales was good. I, I'm gonna try and. Do you want to quote it? So um, I don't remember when this was because I, I'm really bad with time frames. Uh, but uh, there was, um, well, I know we, I had to submit a, uh, the Dick Purton was having a contest. And the winner of the contest, there were three winners, got to perform at the Dick Purton, um, there was a cancer charity event at the Royal Oak Music Theater. So just to give you an idea how long ago it must have been, I submitted a CD. Right. So it was, yeah. <laughs> it, was a bit, it was, it was a bit ago. The, uh, for the kids, the CD is what came after the A track. Anyway, but the, uh, so I submitted a CD and, uh, I got picked to be one of the people. Um, I believe the other people were for sure Steve Lynn and I believe Gary George. Uh, so, um, that night on the, on the thing, there were a bunch of people, Greg Warren, but the big, big names were, Kathleen Madigan and Tim Allen. Uh, Mike Costa was also there, and and he did a set, and part of uh, a set too. So the whole concept of it was uh, Steve, myself, and Gary would go and we'd do four minutes each up front, 
and Big Al Moskowitz from The Dick Burton Show and Kathleen Madigan and I think Greg Warren and maybe someone else, they were on stage judging. And so it was a contest and like, uh, you want a trip to Cancun. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just like we've all worked together. I've worked with Steve a million times and like, uh, he was going before me and I was going last. And so he, uh, <laughs> he, he does this UPS joke, right? Where he's something about a UPS guy, right? And like, and like sleeping with his wife or something, uh, his UPS guy. So I asked him before we went up, because it was a contest, and I remembered, I remember doing a contest at Joey's Livonia, and uh, Frank Roche tagged, I think, one of Ben Constantine's jokes and got a huge laugh, or somebody did, or, and got a huge laugh from it, like killed off of Ben's thing. Yeah. And so, uh, and Ben was really upset about it, I remember that. So being in the same position, I asked Steve, I said, will it be okay if you do that joke, if I tag, if I, if I tag it <laughs> and he said, yes. And when he said, yes, I knew that was it. I was, I was going to win this contest. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, so they go out there. I had my whole set plan. You know, it's only like, it was only like four minutes, you know? So it was literally just the greatest hits of every one of my jokes, you know, sure. just uh, uh, two pounds, yeah. boom, you know, like it was just like every, every just hit the punchline and then go on to another joke. And so, but when I came out, I just said, hey, yeah, I got a great job. I'm Steve's UPS guy, right? And it just destroys. <laughs> when I tell you, it destroys the entire Royal Oak Music Theater. <laughs> destroyed. I mean, the, yeah, to the point where the judges actually stopped the show and Kathleen Madigan said, I just want everyone to know what a, what a, what a, uh, what a risk this comedian just took to off the cuff riff on the joke that came before in a previous set it paid off but it's just and they were all so impressed and i'm thinking to myself i've done that 10 times right? <laughs> that's great, that's a great so it's like uh so i go i finish boom 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 me it was just pure bliss and um and then so how was did, cancun so how was cancun cancun the idea of winning Cancun was better than the trip to Cancun. Let's put it that way. So it was uh, the best thing I did was I was able to upgrade to first class for like 150 bucks, right? So I figured, oh, I did that because everything was paid for, but I upgraded because hey, anyway, you know, it's only yeah. costing me 150 bucks, right? So that was that was great. And then let's just say, if you as an adult, because I went with my wife, uh, we went to Cancun. It's we literally were in the middle of what would be considered uh, like the spring break area, right? I mean, like across the street from Senior Frogs. <laughs> it was just like, it was like, it was as like uh, low budge Cancun as you can get. Um, I mean, it was like uh, the rooms were whatever. I mean, we were young and it was free and we were in Cancun and it was beautiful weather. So that was all great. I mean, I'm not complaining about it. It's still a free trip. Uh, I think I ate some seafood and I got really, really sick. Who gave you a trip to Cancun? Was it a sponsor? Or oh, Dick, the Dick Purton show. They, they, uh, yeah. yeah, so the, um, so that was the, uh, so yeah, I remember getting real sick when we were down there. And the funny thing, the reason I remember it so much, I'm sitting there vomiting, I'm in bed, my wife's pissed because she gets to sit with me and it's gorgeous and we're in friggin' Mexico and I'm watching <laughs> Heroes. You remember Heroes? But yeah. it, was a, it was season two. So I'm like sick and it's season two. And what I mean by that is 
it's Hero, and he's in Japan. So, the, so in America, when you're watching it, he's in Japan, and the subtitles are in English. But I'm in, I'm in Mexico. So it's like I'm sitting here vomiting, can barely keep my eyes open. He's in <laughs> Japan, and the subtitles are in Spanish. So it's like, I'm just like double f-ed. I can't even watch the show, right? So it's like, and it's like, there's not like anything else to watch. And it was like, you know, they only had one channel in this hotel. It wasn't like, anyway, but, uh, so that was fun. And then, oh, but here's the best part. If I may go back to the event, this was the best part of the event. So when the show ends, Tim Allen and uh, Kathleen Mag, all the big shots in the show who are like the big names, they are on stage doing press, right? And taking pictures. And we were not invited to that. So we just leave. But the benefit of leaving was we had all killed and the audience was leaving. So, you know, after you have a great show, that's, that's where you get everything. So we're just, yeah. being, you know, so specifically, I mean, I only remember my, from my point of view, but I'm being swarmed and like, I'm just, just being like bathed in like amazing compliments. But the, but the only reason I bring that up, because it's happened to all of us, but the coolest part about, about that was who walks up to me? Tim Allen's mom. Tim Allen's mom comes up to me <laughs> and was raving, like how great she thought I was. And I'm like, wow, this is better than Tim Allen telling me. You know what I mean? When the, when the mom tells you, like that's when you know it's real. I mean, she didn't, the brother was standing right there. He didn't say one f-ing word. He didn't even look at me, right? But the mom, and I'm like thinking to myself, this is the greatest thing ever. His mom, you know, because moms only tell the truth. <laughs> There's no bullshit going on here. She could have easily walked by me. I don't know who Tim Allen's mom is. You know, and so it's like, uh, it was just, that was like always a capper. I just, that was like, cool, the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. well, on the, uh, th- those are great stories. I know when, when we put that's the, cool. uh, the show synopsis together, uh, and we talk about you. We're going to call it a Jeff and Tim Allen's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Tongues will yeah. be a wagon. <laughs> that was good. good. Good stories, man. Nathan, yeah. what do you got? Last year, I had the opportunity a couple times to open up for Ryan Hamilton. And uh, the cool thing about those shows. Yeah, he's so funny. He's like a Brian Regan-esque. Like his fan base is definitely. Because he's pretty clean, uh, you know. Not he's, but he's good. He's perfect. He's he's just a great stand-up comedian and one of the nicest comics I've ever met. And he was so kind to me and like, just the whole process working with him has been amazing. But it was my first opportunity to work like, you know, a sold-out theater, and it's not. There's no catch. It's it's like, I get the I get the gig. I show up. You do the show, and that's it. You're treated like a comic. You know. I mean. Yeah. The, the manager of the venue is like, yeah, I'll show you your green room. I have my own green room, you know, which it's like that never, it's just, you get kind of, it's just one of those shows that you, you it's like, this is why you, you do all the shit gigs you get. Yeah. You're not just waiting in your car to go into this. Show. Right. Exactly. You know, and they're like, can I get you anything? And I'm like, you're, you know, I'm not Ryan. Right. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> And, and, but there's just like, it's just, it was really uh, a good feeling to get a taste of what that side of the business is like, you know? And, uh, you know, what's funny though is, is I'm sure you guys have all had nights like that where it's like sold out thousand or more people. You just kill it. Cause it's like, cause it, it's really hard to fail at those gigs. Cause it's like, you know, you do your best stuff. You got 20, 25 minutes. You just keep it tight, you know, boom, boom, boom. You bring up the headliner in this case, Ryan, he crushes. And we just have a great night. And his fans, there's such good comedy fans that they just, they like, like Jeff was saying, they swore me after, they talk to you, they want to, you know what I mean? They really want to support you. Then the next night you're at a pizza parlor in the UP where yeah. nobody gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, oh, that's I, great, man. I worked with uh, Ryan Hamilton uh, 
a couple times at the Comedy Castle. And he was in the Detroit International uh, when, when Moreau's put that movie together. You know, he was like one of the headliners. <laughs> That's so so the, funny, the funniest thing I remember about working with Ryan Hamilton, he does this, um, this bit where he does, he's like the, uh, the, the uh, thing in front of the car thing with the big <laughs> flappy arms. You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. What do you call so he, he, he goes and he does that all out. Like it's an all out thing where he's flapping his arms and he's bending his body up and down. He's real lame. And uh, he does it and nobody laughs. Nothing. And you could see the look on his face. You know how During like when you festival? do something. Well, no, this was at the castle. Okay. So, you know, but you know how that look on your face where you're like, what, what, why didn't anyone laugh? <laughs> so he's like, so he's, so he's like, so he says, oh, he goes, I goes, what? He kind of looks at the audience and someone's like, you did the joke 10 minutes ago. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, for, he forgot it. He did it again. And, uh, which is, which is funny because, uh, it, it was, it's always been a like fear of mine actually. Sal once told Oh, us. I've done that. I've uh, well, but I've always caught myself, which I think is even more embarrassing because, like, you you get through the setup and then you see them realize that you've up also. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, well, you I always like, think that I did it, but I didn't do it. That I too. Say this again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what happens. I think I did it, Sal, and I never actually, have. If you well, bad. a bit though, you can at the end of it, you can be like, "Oh, I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention." You know, you can play it off like you're being. Yeah. That's yeah. why. That's why I don't do any physical humor whatsoever. In fact, some people like when they when they uh, move on in their careers, they you know they you know the the more the years pile up, they incorporate these physical things, and I've gotten even less physical. I don't even take the mic out of the stand. <laughs> I don't. I just yeah. stand in front of the mic because I don't ever ever want to be doing some physical humor and then get at the end of it and go ta-da and everybody goes what the f was that <laughs> <laughs> well sal once sal once gave me advice uh i doesn't remember but he, he uh you were, you were telling me a story about how working in vegas we had to do three shows in a row yeah yeah and and so you said he were saying by the third show your mind starts playing tricks on you so you have to literally do the same set every time. Make sure you 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 just you do the same set um, yeah. because and, uh, and Lori so Kilmartin told me that. Lori Kilmartin told me, and I told okay. Yep. You know, I, I have a tag written by her. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I always love when people. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I guess uh, uh, my mine, uh, my best. Uh, weekend ever is really short. It, it really comes down to this. This was back in 2008. And it was the first time that I was headlining out of state. And I was at a place called Courtney's Comedy Club in Fargo, North Dakota. And yeah. I, actually, I actually got my first CD there, which I, I, I listened to. I, and I don't list, sit around and listen to my CDs. But if I ever catch a snippet of it, like on XM or anything, I, I just cringe because it's like, ah. <laughs> I, why did I say that? What was what was I thinking? But I uh, I got tapped to a headline there, and uh, I said, absolutely, let's do this. Well, I'm not sure I was completely ready. You know, this was 12 years ago, and uh, but I did it. And um, what happened was there was a huge snowstorm. Uh, it was a Friday night, and they had two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. And the snowstorm was so bad that, that I was thinking, naively, that they were just going to cancel the shows. Well, this is, this is Fargo, North Dakota. They don't give a shit. 
That's, that's all that's going on in that town. Not only did they not cancel it, there were so many people that came to the first show, they took the show out of the club, which was in a hotel, and put it in a banquet center. So a 220-seat uh, show became 350. Wow. So I thought, oh, I got to get this. I got to get this on tape, you know. I think back then we were actually using tape. Uh, so... And, and you know what, it was, it was, look, it wasn't the best material. Some of the stuff is so cringeworthy now that I just can't even believe it came out of my mouth. But it was the first time that I did 45 minutes solid and got big applause and I was out of state. Great show. And yeah. 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 And, um, and then the second show was, uh, we were back in the club. I think we had 150 people and it was, it was Nirvana. It was, uh, I felt that was that. To me, that's what legitimized me as a comedian and made me realize and think, okay, I can actually do this. I can beat this guy and deliver the goods. So it was a good day. Uh, good weekend. Great story. I remember that club. And, I applaud you. Know, you. Absolutely. All, to all the stories. Round of applause to all the stories. And you talking like that about 250 or 300 at the first show and then 150 at the second show, and I was thinking, you know, I, I hope – you know, I hope that kind of, I hope those kind of stories come back, and we can we can have more uh, more stories of uh, of doing two shows a night with a couple hundred people. I mean, I'm not talking about next month, but you know, a couple years down the line or whatever. So, well, here's here's an interesting uh, thing that I, I I'm not saying I'm interesting, but I thought of this uh, earlier today about that very subject. So, are we going to have two shows a night still? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But we know that we're going to, the shows are going to be uh, fewer people, right? Correct. So a 200-seat showroom maybe has 50 people. So that, that would necessitate having two shows because you, you're going to have more than 100 people that want to see a show. Correct. You're actually going to have more shows. You might even have three shows some night. Yeah. We're just you you could wind up actually having more shows because you can't fit all the people in there. I was actually talking to Mark about this. They're thinking a hundred shows, two people each. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that's Saturday night, uh, late yeah. show. It's, it's, it's going to start at, um, <laughs> at 1 p.m. And then they're just going to rotate people in and out. It's going to... It's going to be great. But they're going to be shorter shows. They're going to be shorter shows. So. It's going to be a minute and a half each. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting, it'd be interesting because they'll probably cost more to go because of the seats will be limited yeah and then, uh, yeah. yeah i think everybody has to use hand sanitizer after every joke so every punch <laughs> you've got to wipe your hands the whole it's not a physical uh, joke just just swap it you know and i think you know this is a good time to say too that um you know each of uh each of the four of us has other work that we do either in the business world or the comedy world and sometimes well, actually, all four of us are doing something in three worlds, stand-up, uh, business, and the, com uh, the business of comedy. And we're very lucky. And I think I want to take this moment to say uh, to our comedian brethren out there, uh, ladies and gents, uh, to whom comedy is their only means of making a living, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you've landed on your feet through this. I hope that this gets cranked up and started again soon so that everybody who, yeah, everybody that we know that's doing uh, comedy as, as their only way of making a living can get back to it. Yes. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said, brother. Well said, brother. 
Amen. All right. So uh, let's let's talk now. Now that's that's the only good sentiment I'll put out there. So uh, <laughs> because now we're going to get to the worst shows we've had, and we've all had some. Every comedian in the world has had bad shows. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how big your name is. You've had some gut bucket, uh, you know, middle of the street, uh, getting hit <laughs> by a car at one o'clock in the morning shows. So let's, let's start to, and if, you, if people could see the Zoom screen now, it's Nathan up in the upper right-hand corner. Give us your worst show, sir. So my worst uh, experience, I guess, it was early on too. It was probably earlier than it should have been for this type of gig. I got offered a corporate gig, a company holiday party, um, I was like a few years in, but the thing is all they needed was like 30 minutes and I had, I had done 30 minutes enough to have enough confidence to do it. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was like a ton of money and it was like a couple weeks before Christmas. So I needed, you know, some, you know, extra money is always good. And I'm like, this is going to be the perfect gig. Right. I felt like a, a you know, a, a rock star <laughs> and, I'm like, I this gig. and, uh, show up, it's packed. I'm in a suit. Everybody's, you know, and it's like everybody, it's the company holiday party. Everybody's in a great mood. Half the room is like weird. Cause it's like, I'm, my wife works here and I just got dragged to this shit show. And who are you? What are you 17? You're the comic. And like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like a weird, it's just a weird situation. So, um, I show up and there's like 300 people. I'm like, this is great. It's going to go so great. And then the lady that booked me, she sends me over to the DJ, who's basically the MC. He's like running the whole show. They have all their shit. They have a whole itinerary of stuff happening. And I'm sandwiched in between some shit, right? Uh, and I'm all excited. I'm like, this is going to be great. She goes, okay, there's going to be the video and then you. And I go, okay. And I'm standing in the back of the room. The screen comes down. The DJ introduces this video. And uh, <laughs> all the lights come down. This video starts. And all you, all you hear is the soft piano, like really, and it's just like really somber and turns out it's an in memoriam video for like the CEO or president <laughs> of the company. And, uh, you know, the entire room, 300 people just sniffles, just, just, like, <laughs> just crying. And like, you know, I, like I said, this was earlier than I, I wasn't as, I got through it and it was overall a successful night, but it was definitely uh, not the way you want to start a set, like following a video of a guy who passed away of cancer just months earlier. And it's like Christmas is the, like two weeks and it's his kids and <laughs> pictures of his family and everybody's just, and apparently he was like the most beloved, you know, employee to like everybody loved him. So I get through the gig, but on the way up, you know, right before I'm going up, I go, look, I, you know, with all due respect, I, I you know, it's horrible what happened, but you know, <laughs> this isn't the best, you should have done this after me or something. Cause I was like, I understand what you're going for here, but nobody wants yeah. to, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares what I have to say after the <laughs> Oh, Those are so hard. I've done a couple of those mm -hmm. two. Those are so hard to recover from. Well, it's and it's weird because it's like, it's not ideal. I never prefer it. But when it happens, it's like, I'm so comfortable with everything going wrong that I, I am so equipped to, to get through it now. <laughs> like, hmm. It's like, I've shown up to shit where it's like, there's not even a microphone or there's no light or that, you know, there's right. a milk crate for a stage. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. I've, yep. Has everybody been on a milk crate before? I have. I have. 
I went on a milk crate in a kid's boom box at a graduation <laughs> party that no one told me was a high school graduation party. But they, had a, but they had just kids running around. I'm like, I got blowjob jokes. They're like, do your set. Just do your set. I'm like, okay. Well, it was a high school grad party. You had blowjob jokes. They were actually getting and giving blowjobs. <laughs> in the audience. Oh, God, that's a, that's a great story, Nate. Yeah, we've all had that uh, in memoriam thing, just kill the mood, and we have to dig out for 45 minutes. So, uh, yeah. all right, uh, Sally, give, it, give us your worst. Well, in keeping with the theme of my two stories, because I gave you the Louis Anderson, so I, I'm kind of going off, and although I've had, believe me, I've had horrible shows, and you guys have all heard the stories before. My old- we've been to some of them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I, was, I was waiting for one of you guys to see it. Um, so I'm going to go on my worst experience of opening up for a star uh, kind of situation because I gave you the Louis Anderson story. And I had to open up for, um, uh, for David Brenner at Zany's Comedy Club in Chicago in the downtown club. This has got to be about 2004, 2005. And he came in. On a, on a, I'll never forget it. He came in on a Wednesday night at nine o'clock and Thursday night at nine o'clock. So we, I was there Tuesday through Sunday with Carl LeBeau. So only the, David Brenner was going to do a, a second show on Wednesday with just David Brenner and then a second show on Thursday with just David Brenner. And then I would open up for Carl LeBeau both nights as well. It's crazy. It was crazy uh that 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 club there is they used to do shows every night i don't know what their schedule is now but anyway i get to the first night uh in the green room for david brenner and uh he's talking to two people and he's like oh you know you can't uh you can't sit in here when i'm in my during my interview and i go okay no problem so i go back downstairs nate knows that club and i go back downstairs and i just hang out in the back and then uh so finally I get to go upstairs um, when he's done with the interview, doesn't really say anything to me and just kind of the crowd's packed. He's got a full house and uh, I, I was uh, featuring and there was an MC and then we're both in the back of the club. And every time the MC would do a joke, I almost, almost every time I would say probably out of the 12 jokes that the MC did, David Brenner beside me would go, I wrote that joke. And he's doing stock and I wrote it. And he'd said it like four or five times. I'm like, Jesus, you know, just annoying. He was just so, <laughs> like, just so full of himself. And yeah, yeah. So I was very nervous going up in front of him. And to be quite honest with you, I don't even remember how I did in front of him. But I just remember just doing my best in front of him. But I don't remember doing well or anything like that. I just remember him being very, very arrogant and always saying, if a comedian said a joke that he heard 30 years earlier, he's like, oh, I wrote that joke at an open mic 42 years ago, you know? Yeah. Is it on an album, David? Do you have that? <laughs> so um, hmm. just, just, very pom- just very pompous attitude and everything. So now that was the first night. So the second night um, – uh, uh, the owner of uh, the manager of the of, um, of Zany's called me and he's like, Hey, I, you got some friends that want to come to the first show and with Carl LeBeau, but that show is sold out. He goes, do you, will you mind putting your friends in the second show for David Brenner? Because he's his second show ain't selling out. 
And I go, he goes, it's $15 more for Brenner. Cause I think the Carl LeBeau show was like 25. Brenner was like 40. So my buddy, Steve, who I'm going to shout out to him. He owns premier construction in Chicago. And he brought a shitload of people out to see, he was coming to see me, but it happened to be for David Brenner. But he, I called him up and I go, Steve, the tickets are going to be more expensive. Do you mind? He goes, I'm here to see you. I don't care about David Brenner. I'll pay the extra $15. So he buys like 50 tickets at $40. Now, I just told you about how David Brenner kind of treated me like shit the first night, wasn't really talking to me, blah, blah, blah. So now the second night, I go up to I get to go up to the green room. There's nobody, no interview or anything. So I get to sit up there and the manager comes up. He goes, hey, we're, al we're almost sold out, David. And David's like, you know, happy. And I go, yeah, we're almost sold out because of me. And I said, <laughs> and, and David Brenner kind of looked at me like, what? And I go, yeah, my buddy Steve from Premier Construction has got 50 tickets down there to see me tonight. And he just f***ing hated me saying that. Me a dirty look and hated me even more. So it was just a funny thing. And I was just doing I wasn't doing it to be a show off. I was just doing it to kind of throw a jab at him, you know, like, hey, you didn't sell it out, man. I yeah. my buddy had to buy yeah. six tickets for this show you know, to basically fill it out because Carl LeBeau was sold out the show before. <laughs> so sales sticking it to David Brenner. So uh, <laughs> I told you that uh, that he was saying to the com other comedians, "Oh, I wrote that. I wrote that." So we were downstairs at the end of the night. The MC or whoever did a guest set or somebody did a guest set that, that night. And they said, okay, good night, everybody. And I go, Hey David, did you write that line too? <laughs> good night, everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you can get And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the dead. I mean, he passed away six years ago, but great comedian, but uh, just a funny David Brenner story. So great story, man. Great story. I, um, my uh, my worst uh, uh, weekend, and this was this went on all weekend. I, I'd like to say it was just one show, but it was every show, four shows. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the name of the comedian because I don't want to. You know, who knows? She might be uh, cleaning up her act now. But this this was a major uh, star, major comedy name for several years. And um, I worked with her at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, and she was so drunk each of these shows that literally every time she took the stage, I, I middled and I think I was doing, what, 20, 25 out there in Ann Arbor? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, and I wound up having some, you know, some really good shows and having a lot of fun. Uh, she wound up taking the stage drunk and angry and just created problems from the moment she took the stage until the moment her show was over. To the extent that I almost got beat up in the hallway in the exit because people were so mad at her. She had like 35 people thrown out during one show because she just took the stage and had an attitude and was, was, was blotto. She had, she had had like three Long Island iced teas right before the, the first show. So uh, I had to not only, you know, <laughs> work through that, you know, as the middle, but uh, I had to actually fend for my life in the, in, in the tunnel leading out of the showcase. So, it, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was an informative weekend. But, uh, you know, when, you, when you're fearing for your physical safety because of a drunk headliner, 
Um, yeah. You know, it, it makes for a bad weekend. So that, that was my worst uh, set of shows. That's a, that's a good one, man. How about uh, Jeff Dewaskin? Yeah, oh, Jeff. Man, Let so us I was opening for Sal. And no, and uh, <laughs> he, was, he, was dr- he was drunk all weekend. And, no, just, <clears throat> so uh, I was, as I, I was kind of writing down stories, and uh, I have a few that are horrible, but I don't, uh, to pick the one is the one that um, still would wake me up at night, even a decade later. So uh, Mark Ridley gets me this gig. It's like the first gig he got me outside of the club. It's in Windsor, and it's for a Jewish community events. I assume he picked me because I was the only Jew. And uh, oh, this is <laughs> the only Jew on the broadcast today. <laughs> yeah. tell you that. This, this is perfect. They're Jews and we have a Jew. We'll send the Jew. <laughs> this, Zoom, this Zoom event is kosher, just to like. And by the yeah, way, take just a moment. I just want to take a moment here. You have mm-hmm. a joke in your act about how you can, you know, when you're going to be out in the lobby selling your thing, you can actually come up and touch a Jew. <laughs> and what do you charge for that? I forget you charge for that five dollars five dollars <laughs> that's one of the that's one of those bits that just came out of uh it was like it was really just a sentence and then somebody yeah it was actually Kevin McPeak uh was probably watching this sort of secret security cam but the um <laughs> the uh the, the uh um he he said uh hey Jeff he was he was good at writing jokes and uh Still is, I'm sure. But the uh, he said uh, he kind of gave me the extra beats of that joke, and then I was able to actually turn it into an entire bit. It really was just a okay. kind of a one-off thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so I mean, so I would, and then it actually working in Ann Arbor, you mentioned Ann Arbor. I used to have people come up and they'd say Jeff Dwaskin from West Bloomfield, and a guy came up to me once and said, "Hey, don't say you're from West Bloomfield. Everyone will just assume you're a Jew." You know, because back, yeah, well, back then I never talked about being Jewish. It was only like in the last few years that I just went head on into it and just kind of embraced that as, as part of the new direction of how I just was. Sure. Anyway, so um, anyway, so speaking of which, so uh, I'm the only Jew. I'm off to Windsor. <laughs> and, um, and so my wife comes with me. And uh, thank God she was there. And so I get to this event, and it's kind of similar to um, Nate's story. Not that there was a, 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 you know, anything about cancer, though I, that would have been an improvement yeah, for me. But the uh, was the um, they had this. It was in this giant gym, and so it was like if you picture like a giant gym, and there's only you know like fifty people, but it's like a big gym, and then the stage is like uh, like ten, fifteen feet above. You know what I mean? The floor is raised. And, and so there's no, I'm looking around, there's like, there's signs, but there's nothing to saying that there's a comedian, nothing that says a comedian is going to be going on stage. And so they, they have this jazz band going and then this, the CEO gets up to do a five minute speech, 20 minutes later, he's done with his speech and then they go, Jeff Dewaskin and now Jeff Dewaskin. So I literally could have just started doing karaoke and they would have just thought I was bad at karaoke. Nobody knew they were about to get a comedy show, okay? <laughs> it was and just Jeff Waskin. It was just, just Jeff Waskin. And, like, my wife is sitting at one of the tables, which is she's the closest to me, and that's 30 feet away, right? So you know how di- – and then everyone else is, like, at the back. So, I mean, like, 80 <laughs> feet. So I'm like – now, keep, granted, this is early in my career, so I didn't have – I don't have, didn't have the confidence that I would do now or anything like that, you know, but 
uh, but I, w- I was in decent shape back then you know, this, for this particular show, and I had a couple of Jewish jokes. I'm trying, hey, raise your hand if you're a doctor. And like, they're all, and like, it's like, hey, what, 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 you're all lawyers? And like, um, you know, and like nothing, right? And then uh, I'm like, oh, it's okay, I'm a Jew. No, yeah, I can say that. Like that. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> nothing, nothing. And then I'm like, there's, and the room is empty. So I'm like, well, would you spend the whole thing on the balloons? Because <laughs> there's like three balloons there. And like nothing. And it was like, like it was so bad. And then like, you know how you slowly start to die inside as it goes bad, right? <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like trying though. I'm like, I'm in my, I'm in the best that I can be in terms of I'm, I keep one upping it. I don't move into self deprecating. You know what I mean? Like, so I keep going harder at it. And, uh, it's some, I'm point, slowly dying just hearing the story. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And so, I um, there. I think I was supposed to do like 20, 25 minutes. I mean, so 10 minutes in, they kind of start blinking the lights, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you're the problem. They're like, I'm the problem. They start blinking the lights. And I'm like, no, I'm doing my time, right? And I was like, <laughs> and I got, you know, and like, and so I keep going. And then at some point, maybe five minutes later, the woman comes and she's holding a giant uh, bowl, like for a raffle. So she's got her arms wrapped around it. And they just turn the lights on and she walks out and she just starts applauding. <laughs> to get me to stop. I'm right in the middle of a bit. It's like she just ended me. And like just to give you an idea, as I saw it was happening, what's going through my mind is I am literally thinking to myself, thank God I already got paid. And where's where's the exit? Literally, I'm like, where's the exit? And how can I get out of here as quickly and as fast and efficiently as possible? And then I was out the door. Ridley called. They were there. So they were, they hated it. I think I ended up giving the money back or half the money back. And it was just like, it was the worst. And then I remember like having to do another show for Leo and Diane and, and, and like, and I drove by it and I was like, I almost had like a, a panic attack just driving by the building. And it was just like, it was like, it was like, like to this day, I mean, like, even like if I bring it up to my wife, uh, we think guy was there just to keep me sane, but, um, because nothing's worse than being alone in one of those. But like, uh, well, every, yeah, it was, every it was, comic listening to that story has empathy for you because every every one of us has gone through that nightmare of you know. confused, disinterested audiences, and you're just you're just praying to get through your time and get your money and get the f- out. No doubt yeah. about it, man. <laughs> We've all been there, man. It sucks. Well, this has been fun, guys. I've I've uh, I've had fun this episode yeah, talking. Great about episode, it. man. Great to great to be with you guys here to record this and uh, spend some time and see Jeff. Yeah. See Jeff in a long time. So thanks, uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the Sal and Bob show, Jeff. Appreciate. Thanks for it. having me, guys. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Nathan, fun. thank you for for producing and making us sound better than we are. As always. And uh, check us out on, uh, on Twitter, at SallyD08, at Bob the Suit, at uh, Sal and Bob Show, uh, uh, at Nate Comedy, at Big Mocker. And again, to all our uh, uh, folks, uh, our brethren out there in the, in the comedy world, trying to survive this pandemic, uh, we're with you. And we hope it all goes well for everyone. And we'll, we're back at this game on stage live very soon. Very well said, buddy. We will uh, we will see you next time on the Salem Bob Show, man. See, see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.